I have a word for you today. How many of you love God's word? You didn't come just to, uh, just to see people. You came to see God, right? And uh, you came to get God's word. And, uh, you know, we have to crave God's word. When we put it into action, we crave it even more. And uh, how many of you want to be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer of God's word? I believe that God is training us to be a doer of his word. And, and we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 and go to verse 18. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who died so you will not grieve like people that have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, how many of you believe he's returning? Listen, last week we, we celebrated Jesus rising again. How many of you are thankful for the 30 people that came down to the altar to give their lives to God? We just have to celebrate that. Um, if you believe that he rose again, then you have to believe that he's going to return, right? God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Isn't that awesome? With the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air then we will be with the Lord forever. In the message translation, it says, and there will be a huge family reunion with the master in the air. So encourage each other with these words. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? And, you know, Jesus, what he said was, he said, I want you to be ready. I want you to be found ready. And a lot of times we can... We can know that Jesus uh, is coming back, but we don't really fully understand it. And, and uh, if we're not careful, we will be people that aren't ready for that coming. How many of you want to be ready? I mean, he can come back right now. How many of you want to be ready when he comes? The Bible says that he's being patient and, uh, because he wants everybody that can be saved to be saved. And he's patient with us, and he's allowing us to get ready. In the Bible, it has a story. Jesus told, us, told a story about ten virgins. Five of them were ready. Five of them weren't. They were, they were all pure. They all had good intentions, but five of them were prepared. Five of them were ready for Jesus' return. They had oil in their lamps, and their lamps were burning. When the time came, when, when Jesus returned, the five that were foolish said, hey, give us some of your oil. And they said, hey, it's too late. How many of you in this room, you want to say, you want to be the five wise ones that are ready for his return? It is true, we've heard it before, that this world, this earth is nothing but a dressing room for eternity. Do you believe that? Let's look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run. Say run. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How many of you know we're in a race? And we need to be running. We need to be caught running when he returns. Do you believe that? And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides 
beside God's throne. The title of my message today is Run with Endurance. Run with Endurance. How many of you want to run with endurance? A lot of people start out running for God but get burned out. But how many of you want to be the ones that have your lamps burning and you're running? It's one thing, hey, we can all get up and, and try to run, but how many of you know there takes, it takes some training to keep on running? You know, you, you don't just jump up and, and run five miles, you know, because uh, you have to get trained. We might all desire to run five miles, but some of us, you would rather die than run five miles. It, we have to, Pastor Paul said, amen. We would rather die. I mean, it's a lot in your mind, right? It's a lot in your mind because when you start to run, you feel good, but then you get out of breath. And runners have to tell their mind that, that you can still breathe. And your legs start hurting, and they have to tell their body how to feel, and they have to get their second win. How many of you want, with Christianity, to be one that runs with endurance? That you're not just coming to church. That you're not just still connected or know God, but you're one that is still running after God, in love with God, enduring to the end. That's what the Bible says. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. How, how many of you want to just learn how to run? See, I believe that it's really endurance that causes us to be fruitful. It's endurance that causes us to succeed in the kingdom. How many of you want to succeed in the kingdom? You don't want to get burned out, but you want to keep going. What would have happened if we knew how to endure with our relationships. We, had, we knew how to endure when it comes to our finances. We know how to endure. A lot of times, it's not that we don't have good intentions. We all have good intentions. But sometimes, even though you have a good heart, sometimes God is fixing character in us because it's when those two things that come together, those two things cause us to endure. I'm convinced that heart... When your heart is right, when your heart is good, but God couples that with character, then we learn how to endure. Good intentions aren't always good enough, right? But character with a good heart causes us to endure. Let's pray. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you speak to us today and cause us to be changed. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen. Leah and I, uh, with our family, we went out of town this week with spring break, so we, we went to the beach, and, and uh, I knew I was in trouble when I left out because I thought it's vacation, so I'm just going to kind of eat. I'm not going to go too far, but I'm going to kind of eat what I want to eat, and I knew it was on the way up there. Uh, I said, I want, I think we went to Wendy's, I want a spicy chicken sandwich, add bacon and cheese. And then I sat there for a second. I was like, well, you might as well throw in a hamburger too. I'll take a hamburger. I'll take two burgers. Right when I said that, I was like, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. See, because, you know, you try to eat good and you try to be, you know, healthy. But there's something about vacation that you just kind of like ice cream. Yeah, bring it. Another slice of cake. Yes, bring it. And you try to like. Say, you know, I'm just going to have a cheat day, but it becomes a cheat week. Have you ever had that? Your cheat day has, it's like your fourth cheat day in a row. We all know you're just blowing it. We all know that it's difficult. It's difficult when, when you know, it's, it's easy when, when you have gotten, if you're disciplined in eating healthy. But when you just kind of let it go, it's like even though you try hard, you're just going to eat whatever's in sight. I mean, I don't know about you, but even if I start a diet, right when I start a diet is when Leah or the kids want the big bags of chips in the pantry, and I know this diet's not going to work because we're not on the same page. Because I want to do good, but everything there is going to trip me up. I'm doing good all day, and then at 1230 in the middle of the night, I'm waking up and eating a bag of Doritos. Something's wrong. This is not good. The Doritos are calling my name. Am I the only one here? You try to do good, but, but if, if, if it's in the house, you're going to have difficulty. 
And if you talk to people that are really disciplined, it's not that they just are really good at saying no. They really plan to set themselves up for success. They plan to set themselves up for success. They have their meals planned out. They say we're not going to have any Twinkies in the house because they know that they'll eat them. And they understand that if you're going to start something in the house, then the whole house has to do it. It's not just one person because one person's going to have a weak moment and the other person that's not on the diet is just going to say, eat it, and then you blow it. So in the middle of eating all the hamburgers and donuts or whatever it was during this week, Lee and I looked at each other and said, when we get off of uh, this vacation, we're going to start a diet. And we're going to plan a diet, and we're going to stick to it because we understand unless we plan, unless we plan successfully, unless we set ourselves up for success, we're only going to fail. How many of you know that God wants to set us up for success? Our hearts are good. Everybody in here wants to be in tip-top shape. Our hearts are good. Our intentions are good, but the food is better. Am I right? And so, and so this is really what it's like with our walk with God because we want to endure like eating right all the time for a long periods of time because that's the only way you stay in shape is eating right for a long period of time. But, but we find these seasons, especially in Louisiana, there's a festival for everything. There's a holiday for everything. And so you find yourself like, oh, it's a holiday. Oh, it's a vacation. Oh, it's whatever. So you never really endure. You kind of maintain, but you don't, really, you don't really get the results that you want. How many of you know it's like that in Christianity a lot? We want to endure. We want to run after God. We want to see the, the promises that God has for us. But sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. Sometimes we set ourselves up to not be able to endure. I love uh, studying the Word of God, and I love studying the disciples of Jesus, and I love looking at Peter's life because we can all relate to Peter. He is a guy that has a good heart. He has good intentions, but he has no discipline. He has no wisdom. Isn't that what Proverbs says? It says with... with uh, if you, have, if you have zeal with no wisdom, then you're in trouble. So you could have a good heart. You could be full of zeal and, and zealous, but if you don't have wisdom, and that's why his name was Simon, and Jesus changed his name to Peter. Jesus changed his name to Peter because he said, listen, you're like a, Simon means you're like a reed shaken in the wind. You're one way one day, you're another way the next day. And he says, your name is going to be Peter, which means rock, which means solid, which means enduring. And so I love the story of Peter because he's the one, he's got such a good heart, but he's always in trouble. You know, Jesus is like, I'm going to wash y'all's feet. And Peter's like, no, don't wash my feet. And he says, Jesus says, okay, you don't have anything to do with me then. And Peter's like, all right, wash my feet. You know, G Peter was like, I'm going to be with you to the end. He thinks he's being loyal. He chops off a guy's ear, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? Everything he does, it's out of this zealous, pure heart, but he doesn't have any character to back it up. I mean, he was like, Jesus, you should never go to the cross. He thought he was being a loyal friend. You're not going to the cross. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That's a bad day when God calls you Satan. This guy had a great heart. But he didn't have any wisdom. He, had a, he, had, he was zealous, but he didn't have any wisdom. And, and I think it's funny that in the Bible, we see Peter actually, in two occasions, actually running towards Jesus. In two different occasions, he, we see Peter running towards Jesus. In one occasion, we see how good of a heart he has. And in the other occasion, we see how God is developing character in him. How many of you know that we can learn from somebody that even though they mess up, they still are running after God? We can learn. See, see, Peter had to have a coupled, he had to couple the character with his heart, and that was the only time he was able to endure. He shook the earth because he coupled a good heart with good character. How many of you want good character?
We all want it, but we got to set ourselves up for it. We learn something about, about Peter and his heart towards God. We see it in John 20. Mary comes to the tomb, notices that Jesus rose again. Angels spoke to her. Jesus spoke to her. She ran back to the disciples. But only John and Peter ran to the tomb. Only John and Peter ran to the tomb. You see their heart because they don't want to just hear somebody else's testimony. They want to experience it for themselves. See, in your life, if you want to take heart, if you want to have a good heart, don't just hear testimonies and get aggravated. Hear testimonies and know that if it worked for somebody else, it can work for you. A lot of people, they get jealous and upset when God's working in their life. It should encourage you. Because God can do it to them, God can do it to you. How many of you want to say, I'm going to keep a heart. Whenever I hear a testimony, I'm going to experience it for myself. How many of you want to have that heart? See, I love Peter. He said, if you're walking on water, I want to experience that. If people are getting delivered, I want to experience that. Let's not be a Christian that says, you know, it works for some people, but for some people it doesn't. For me it doesn't. I'm more of a, a spectator than someone that dives in and want to experience it for myself. How many of you know that those that say, I don't want to just hear about it, I want to apply it, those are the people that keep a right heart. The Pharisees were the ones that just talked about it but didn't do anything about it. And their heart became cold. But Peter found a heart that was saying, I want to experience it. If it's healing, I believe it's for me. How many of you believe that healing is for you? How many of you believe that deliverance is for you, that prosperity is for you, that it's not just for some people, it's for you as well? And Peter found himself, I love that in the book of John, Peter was always running with John. And John was always outrunning him. And I think because it was the book of John, we actually see that John's like, hey, by the way, I outran him every time. I outran Peter. See, I love Peter's heart because he, had a, he kept a good heart. Why? Because he understood that he had to couple with somebody that knows how to run after God. And if you want to keep a right heart, then just like if you want to start a diet in your house, you got to get on the same page, you got to get hooked up with somebody that's running after God too. That's why we're in this thing. It's for relationships. It's to love God with everything and love each other. Who are you running with? I love that, that John was faster than Peter. John was faster, so, so Peter would find himself running. But Peter, see, he was bold. And so he would motivate John, but John would be able to outrun him. you got to find somebody that helps you out. Maybe their strength isn't your strength, but their strength is going to be able to help you out. Maybe y'all aren't all the same, but you can run after God when you connect with them. How many of you want to find somebody to connect with? If you're losing heart, you might need to look at your relationships. Because what the enemy tries to do is isolate ourselves when we aren't doing well. And the enemy tries to get us to be prideful and not open up. And it, it, it gives a way for the enemy. But God is wanting you to find relationships. Show me who you're hanging out with, who you're running with, and I'm going to show you who you look like in about five or ten years. Because God wants you to be running with people that are running after God. Listen, we have to be in uh, agreement that this relationship has to do with Jesus. So I, I meet with Pastor Paul sometimes, and I, I can't say, you know, I can't put on a face all the time. Sometimes I have to tell him, man, I'm going through it. And he'll say, well, th this is what I feel like God is speaking, and it, and it encourages me. And, and he can do the same, and other people can do the same, and because you're only as good as the people that you're running with. And if you find yourself in a place where you can't open up to anybody, you're in a dangerous place. Because the enemy wants to set you up and isolate you because he knows if he can take your heart, he can take really your light. And it's like that, that basket, Jesus says, don't put the basket over your light. you got to find somebody that's able to hear all your mess and still love you. 
you got to find somebody that can hear all your mess and not go gossip and talk about you. You need to find somebody that are willing to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it too, but we're going we're gonna to help each other out and we're going to do this together. God never intended for us to put on a front and just kind of put on a face and pretend like everything is going on okay. God always intended for us to be real and to sharpen each other in our relationships. Who are you running with? If you're losing heart and you're around people that aren't about, they don't have to be perfect, but they have to be running after God too. They don't have to have it all together, but they have to have this one thing in common. This is our fellowship that we're running after God together. We love people in the world. We, we are friends with people in the world. But those that we're able to have covenant relationship with, this is the most, one of the most important things that we uh, put in our lives because it will set us up to keep our hearts right. The enemy wants to cause you to not trust. The enemy wants to cause you to, to not uh, be close. But God desires covenant relationships that even when I'm not doing well, you still believe in me. And when you're not doing well, I believe in you. I heard a, a speaker tell a, a story today. He said, you know, our, our, our job is to find the golden people. He said, have you ever been in a gold mine? You don't see much gold. You have to dig for gold. There's a lot of dirt. See, you don't have to go far or look very hard to see the dirt in my life. You don't have to go very far and hard to see the dirt in your life. But we are not called to call each other's dirt out to the surface. Sometimes we can say, hey, I would be doing this or that and give good wise counsel or whatever. But you're not a Christian and so super spiritual because you can call out of the dirt out of people's lives. You're called to call out the gold in people. You're called to look beyond the dirt and see the gold because that's who God is. Aren't you glad that, that he was able to look at Peter beyond the reed shaking in the wind, look beyond that and into the gold that Peter had? Come on, God wants us to begin to get, listen, look past the dirt and look into the gold. That's what's going to cause our relationships to thrive. How many of you want our relationships to endure? I want our relationships to endure. How's it going to happen? It happens by us staying faithful to each other. I believe in you. You fell, but guess what? I believe greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I'm going to be real with you. And I want real relationship with you. Come on, how many of you are ready to hook up with some people that are ready to run after God? They said, I want the same diet. We're going to have the same plan. We're going to run together. I love that Peter, he went over there, but he was bold enough to go into the tomb. He's the one that found that Jesus' clothes were folded. He was able to seek out truth for himself. If you want to keep a right heart, you got to see, you got to search out truth for yourself. Don't just believe it because I say it. Don't just believe it because your leader says it. Paul actually told the church, hey, go ahead and check everything out that I'm saying and see that it's real. Search it out for yourself. Because when you search things out for yourself, revelation comes. You see, I love Peter because he said, you know, I'm going to search after this. And because he searched after it, revelation came that because this... Uh, these clothes were folded that Jesus took on a new body. He believed it for himself, and so he was able to get a revelation. That's how we keep a right heart. We keep heart when we're still hearing after God, when we're searching after God for ourselves. How many of you know that his word is powerful? His word is powerful. But see, it's not enough to just have a right heart. We have to start to get character as well. Do you believe that? And we see the second time that, that Peter runs after Jesus, the second time we see how Jesus instills character in him. We see how Jesus implements character into his life, and, and it's the same thing that we need. And the things that he instituted in his life, if we don't do, we're setting ourselves up for failure. How many of you want to succeed? 
I want to succeed in running after God. And so we see this time where uh, Peter, you have to remember, even though he realized that Jesus rose from the dead, he was still bummed out because he denied Jesus three times. That's pretty bad by a junior high school girl. He denied Jesus. She was like, hey, are you a follower of him? He's like, no. It, the theologians say it was one of the worst sins that happened because it was a close friend that, that actually denied who Jesus was. How many of you know, and you did it three times in a row. That's a bad day. It, listen, you might have fallen, but you, you, you might have fallen, fallen this week, but you probably didn't deny Jesus and say, I don't believe that he's Lord over my life. This is what Peter did. Peter denied Jesus, and, and although he knew that he was risen, he thought God was probably upset with him because he had every right to be. You know what I mean? And, and Peter found himself, he said, I'm going fishing. So he goes fishing, and the Bible says it's at the end of the day, and they caught nothing. And I love the heart of Jesus. Jesus began to say, throw out your nets on the right side. They threw out their nets, and they caught Tons of fish. Now, this is how Jesus reached out and blessed Peter at the very beginning in his walk with God. I love that Jesus wanted to remind him that I'm still going to be blessing you even though you, weren't, you didn't do right. And if we want to learn character and have character and endure after God. See, I love that Peter dropped his nets and he jumped out of the boat after Jesus and John followed him. He outran him again. <laughs> And, and, and Peter, Peter recognized that even though I'm doing wrong, I got to still run after God because he still loves me. You know why a lot of people, they go to church every once in a while because every once in a while they're not really uh, doing right. And so they find themselves not doing right and shying away from God. But how many of you know it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance? Maybe you're not in a place where you should be. That's the time you run to God, not from God. And God was beginning to teach Peter this. He was saying, listen, I still love you. I want you to come towards me, run after me, even though you're out there doing your own thing. Don't you love the heart of God? And if you want to have character, if you want to build character with heart, then the first thing is you got to learn how to run after God in the midst of your failures. In the midst of your failures. Well, somebody falls and says, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church this Sunday because, you know, I'm going to feel bad and feel committed. No, no, no. See, God says when you fall, run back to me. Run in that minute, in that instant. Don't let the enemy come in. And say, you know what, you need to skip out on life group this week. No, you need those relationships. You know what, you need to skip out on church. No, you need that relationship. You need that connection with God. Be Christians that endure. And say, even though I had a bad week, I'm showing up. Even though I had some failures, I'm showing up. I'm still running towards Jesus. And then Jesus told, told Peter, he said, um, Peter... Jesus is fixing breakfast on the beach, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you, God. And he said, feed my sheep. See, God never even waited for Peter to say he was sorry. God understood that repentance was changing the way that you think. So God began to change the way that Peter thinks. Repentance is not saying, oh, I blew it again, I'm sorry, I blew it again, I'm sorry. What did God do? He said, listen, this is what I'm going to teach you about repentance. He says, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. See, a lot of people, when they, they do wrong, they want to shy away doing things from God. But God is saying the reason you're doing wrong is because you're at the wrong place at the wrong time not doing the right thing. So I need to put some vision in you, and I need to begin to tell you, feed my sheep. See, the Bible says that, that David, he fell with Bathsheba. Why? Because it was a season where kings were supposed to go to war, and he didn't. And a lot of time, your problem is not a sin problem. It is, uh, it is a purpose problem. It is a purpose problem. God's saying, I'm going to change the way that you operate. 
Isn't it funny that you fall doing the same thing at the same place at the same time? Well, God is wanting to change the way that you think that you're not going to be that person and you're not even going to be in that place doing that thing at that time. He's going to retrain the way you think and say, in that time, I need you to do this. And this time, I need you to change the way that you're operating. How many of you know that God wants us to begin to know that we got to change the way we think? And this is the second, second part, is that Jesus began to give him a plan for his life. Jesus began to give Peter a plan. He said, this is the deal. I want you to feed my sheep. He said, you're going to begin to grow up and other people are going to begin to show you what to do. And then after that, he begins to say, you're going to wait for the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, do you have a plan for your life or are you just coasting? Because God is all about plans. His plan. How many of you want to get in God's plan? If you want to have character, if you want to have character, you're going to have to plan well. Look at your neighbor and say, plan well. Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. How many of you want to plan well? Listen, listen, don't blame your circumstance. Don't blame your circumstance. Let me ask you, what's your plan? Well, I hate my job. I don't want to be at my job. What's your plan? I don't want to, you know, I don't make enough money. I don't do that. What's your plan? Plan to go back to school. Plan, plan some things that maybe you don't want to do, but if you put a good plan in place that's God's plan, it will get you out of the place that you're in right now. Don't blame your circumstance. Don't blame what people did to you. Don't blame the, the conditions of the world Begin to evaluate yourself and say, what's the plan? Well, you know what, I, I, it just kind of happens and, and I get dealt a bad hand. Listen, God wants to give you a plan. That was to wake some of you up. <laughs> God wants to give you a plan. What's your plan? See, when you plan, you begin to prioritize. The problem with us is that we can't endure because we have too many priorities. And God wants you to begin to prioritize. What's the plan? If you really have a plan, then it goes into your schedule. Let me look at your schedule and I'll show you if you're going to succeed or not. Because if you're like, I don't really know. I'm just going to work. Well, you're not going to succeed. I don't really have a plan. You're not going to succeed. Because the Bible says that you need a plan. What's the plan? Well, I'm waiting for God to give me a plan. No, God's waiting for you to get with him and say, what are the desires of your heart? And begin to not just sit there and wait for a handout. God doesn't work like, like that. God doesn't work like saying, you know what? Christianity is all about just having a handout and things are just going to be given to me because he blessed me. No, he instills character in us so that we can begin to have a plan to get out. Come on. And God's saying, hey, I want you to have some priorities. Let me ask you, priorities. The first priority is God. God is our first priority, our devotion with God. If you say, I kind of get with God whenever I can, then you're probably not enduring with your relationship with God. Well, I kind of get with him kind of like when I try to like go home from work in the car. You're probably not being consistent with your time with God. God's saying, hey, write down the plan. Write down the plan. God says, hey, go and close the door behind you. Get away with me. Hey, you ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, we really need to hang out sometime. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. And then, then you know because you didn't make a plan, it's not going to happen. It might work for youth. You might just bump into each other. But when you start having kids and you start having a life, if you don't put it on the calendar, it's not happening. If you don't set it, it's not going to happen. How many of you know that God wants us to begin to prioritize? There are priorities in our life, and the things on the top, they take precedence over the things that are below. So in other words, you have to learn how to say no. Say that's not the priority. If you learn and you study successful people, they are not people that work harder than everybody. They work hard, but they know how to prioritize. Let me ask you, when do you have time with God? 
If you take anything out of this message, if it's, if it's just, you know what, I need to get with God every single day. Guess what? It's going to change your life. Write it down. 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 to 6.30. I read my Bible, I pray. 6 o'clock to 9. Listen, if you're, pray more than you did last year. I'm preaching to somebody today. God is saying, listen, quit blaming your circumstance and begin the plan. Begin the plan. After God, after God, it comes to yourself. Take care of yourself. Get some sleep. You're not going to help anybody out by having no sleep. You're going to be yelling at your wife, yelling at your kids, beating your kids. <laughs> you need some sleep. You're wondering why you don't have energy. Well, you're probably like me during uh, spring break and eating donuts. That's not going to help you have an energy. Take care of yourself. Take care of your mind. Read. Say, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to read a book a month. Push yourself. Come on, I believe God's people, they, they make excuses because they say God's going to take care of it when God is empowering you to take care of it. And God's saying, sit down, let's get real here. And that's why God told Peter, listen, this is the plan. I'm going I'm to give you a plan. The problem is you're out fishing because you have no plan. You're out doing things and slipping up because you have no plan. What does the Bible say? Those with no vision, the people perish. So if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a vision, you don't know where you're going, you're going to continue to fail. Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, after yourself becomes your family or your marriage. Let me encourage you. Listen, if you have kids, you have to find time for your marriage. You have to set a date for your marriage. Leah and I, we love taking walks out on the lakefront because it gets kind of away. We'll find somebody to watch the kids. We'll go take a walk. We'll talk about the things that God's speaking to us because you have to make your marriage a priority. There are going to be tons of things that thrown, are thrown at you. Never substitute those things for the time with your marriage. Because, listen, your kids are going to grow old and go out the house one day, but you're stuck with that person forever. Am I right about it? And the truth is, if you don't make your marriage a priority, your children are going to suffer. You say, well, I don't have any money. Go buy, go, go, to, go play tennis. Go take a walk. Spend time. You know, they say, you know, have one a night out of the week for a date night. You should be spending more time with your, with your spouse. Come on. We should have the best marriages because we have a plan. We have a plan. Well, I don't know why they're not talking to, to me. They seem like they're mad at me. Well, y'all probably need to spend some time together. <laughs> you know, the people that say, you know, me and my wife, we never fight. I'm concerned about them. Because I'm like, y'all must never hang out because uh, or you're just a saint. <laughs> because, listen, you got to work some things out. And God's going to give you a plan to work it out. Do a devotional together. Talk about God together. But you're never going to do it unless you plan it. You'll do it once a month and be like, man, it's been, it's been a month and a half since we had a date. Yeah, you better start planning or your marriage is going to fail. Whatever you don't plan at, you're going to fail at. Come on. It's getting quiet in here. And then your family. Listen, we got to put it on. Listen, I got three kids. They're always, you know, you know, Hunter's doing this new thing where she's jumping on my leg and I have to drag her around the house. And, and, and the thing, thing is, I, I want to spend time with all of them, but I realize if I don't have a plan, then I never do it. Uh, I realize, you know what, I'm preaching the word during the week and all this, but when's the last time I talked to my kids about the word? In Deuteronomy, it says, write it on the doorpost. Write it everywhere. Talk to your kids about it day and night. So I started having, I had to get a plan. I had to get a plan. I said, you know what, I'm going to bring them to school every morning, and we're going to talk about one verse every single morning. Any other time, just sitting there tired, driving to, to school. You might as well make it a priority. Say, you know what, what, did, what does God say here? Before you know it, you're spending time, you're teaching your kids, but it's not going to happen unless you plan it. It's not going to happen unless you plan it. You know, it's important to spend time with, with all your kids, a little bit of time each day. Y'all okay? A little bit of time each day. But there needs to be a time once a week that you're able to focus on one kid. 
There should be no middle child syndrome. Am I right? Because they get special time with their parents. Listen, when, when you, got, you got the sports and the dog and the house and the bills and everything, nothing begins to work unless you prioritize and plan. And I'm scared that some Christian lives are more of a mess than a lot of people that are in the world. Why? Because they want God to work it out for them. And God's saying, you work it out. I'm going to instill character in you and work it out. And then after that, it's your, your, your ministry and your job. What are your plans? What are your plans? How many of you know we need to go somewhere? Put it on a schedule. Spend time with some friends. Put it on a schedule. If you don't have any friends, you're going to have a lonely life. Find some friends. Somebody is going to hang out with you. Set it. Keep setting it until somebody hangs out with you. Find some friends. We need friends. Life is boring without friends. I know I'm being kind of uh, just uh, laying it out here, but sometimes we got to get, we got to quit being so spiritual and do the logistics. Are you okay? Number three. Number three, God said this is your goal. He said this is your goal. You're going to preach the gospel to the whole world. Preach the gospel. I can get somebody to come and play. I want you to preach the gospel. Here's your goal. What are your goals? What are your goals? Listen, let me make your goal easy. Prioritize and make this happen. Everywhere you go and everything you do, do two things. Love God with everything and love people as yourself. It's simple. i got to make goals. I'm going to do this. No, prioritize right. And say, everything I do, I'm going to glorify God. Make it simple. I went golfing with my dad the other day. And the thing about golf is that it's all about your swing. And so if it, the, the problem that a lot of guys have is that they don't want to focus on the ball. They'll focus on the ball a little bit, but they always want to look and see what, where they're going. And they pick up and they top the ball and they have a bad shot. What you have to do is you have to focus on the ball all the way through your swing. All the way through your swing and then the ball is going to hit perfectly. And then afterwards you're able to step back and look. See, the problem is we don't focus on the main goal. We're always trying to see our progress. Guess what? God's going to bring the progress when you plan right. God's going to bring the fruit. You focus on loving God with everything and loving people, and every time you step into God's plan, you're going to say, I'm going to glorify God with what I do. I'm not going to be the guy cursing at work. I'm not going to be the Christian flipping out, punching walls. I'm not going to be the Christian that leaves early and sneaks out. I'm going to be the Christian that wants to glorify God with everything that I do. Are y'all okay today? Set some goals. Jesus said, hey, by the way, you're going to need a helper. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Let me challenge you. Because life is going to get busy. And you're going to need some help. When you set a plan and you set goals, don't try to do it on your own. Before you go to that thing, it, doesn't, it could be the most simple thing. Before you go to that thing, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Maybe it's just a conversation. Maybe it's just, Holy Spirit, make this go well. Let, let, let you be glorified. God is saying, hey, quit trying to do it on your own. I guarantee you when you do that, you'll have grace in that situation. Don't jump the one thing to another thing in your schedule. Stop for a second. Didn't Jesus say, hey, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit? If you're feeling all flustered, if you're feeling all flustered, first of all, you might have so many things to do that you're not able to take little bits and pieces of it. That's why you plan. Because the Bible says when you're done with the work of the day, then enjoy your day. But do what needs to be done while it's day. You have to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Even in planning, Holy Spirit, help me. And guess what? You're going to have an awesome plan. You're going to give God the glory for it because it wasn't your plan. 
wasn't your plan. Jesus, help me in this meeting I'm about to go to. God, help me with, with when I'm spending time with kids. Don't just try to do it on your own. When I'm not asking God for help, it doesn't go well. But when I begin to say, God, when I spend time with my son Noah, begin to give him the correct identity. I can't do it, God. I don't know what to do. God, move in my life. And guess what? God begins to move in your life. And he begins to speak to your kids. He begins to speak to your wife. Pray before you go on that day. It doesn't have to be a long, crazy prayer. Just say, God, bring restoration to our relationship. God's going to work it out. Do y'all believe God's going to work it out? God is saying, hey, I'm going to begin to get you out of the rut that you're in. And you're going to come into vision and you're going to begin to be in a place where you're excited to wake up in the morning. You're not overwhelmed. The Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Worry about today. The only problem is you can't worry about just today when you haven't planned. It's too overwhelming. Life is overwhelming. God says, listen, line it out. Listen, if God had to have days to do work to create the earth, we need to set some plans and goals ourselves. God has to do it. We have to do it. And the last one is this. The last one is run. When it comes time for you to do what you need to do, don't procrastinate. I'll get to that tomorrow. Oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. The problem is when you keep saying you'll do it tomorrow, your procrastination is bringing poverty on your life. Say, I got to do it today. I got to do it today. If we begin to knock out procrastination in our life, we'll start to see some Christians prosper. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. Are y'all okay? Colossians 3.23, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than people. James 4.17 says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We got to know that our time is short. Am I right about it? I got three more minutes. I'm going to do good. About to close out right now. Our time is short. You know, it says in Psalms 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You are running out of time. Get with God. Get a plan. Get vision. Execute it. Quit letting limitations hang over your life. Some of you, God wants you to start your own business. Some of you, God is saying, go back to school. Some of you, God is saying, try to date someone again. Well, I always fail. Peter had to learn, I'm running back to God. Even in my failures, I'm running back to God. Tomorrow's too late. What's your plan? What's your plan? Life is overwhelming, not with God. Those that are, are weary and heavy, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. It's not just his presence, it's his voice. He begins to line out what you need to do. Right now, some of you are feeling liberated right now because you see yourself just planning things out and God's going to bring peace to your life. Listen. Moms have a tendency to feel so overwhelmed all the time and so guilty. Let me just say this. Thank God for mothers. Thank God for moms. Because the homework and the dishes and the clothes and the this and the that. Husbands, be patient with your wives. Wives, be patient with your husbands. Begin to plan out how God's going to begin to pull out the best in them. Tomorrow's too late. Come on, if you say, I want to begin to get with God and get some character and run after God and do great things with my life, I just want you to stand up right where you are. When you feel the enemy pressing in, the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee. 
you're going to be prosperous. You're going to be successful. You're going to be one that has vision full of life because you are hooked up with the creator of the universe. If you say, you know what, I'm getting rid of the excuses. I'm getting back aligned. I'm about to write some things down. I'm going to make the vision plain. God wants to give you a chiropractic adjustment right now with your spirit. Start thinking different. You are not what your bank account says. You are not that marriage that are falling apart. You are not that person that is sick. You're healed. You're delivered. You're set free. God is going to begin to give you a plan. Come on, if you say, I'm going to submit to God in his plan, just lift your hands right now. When you lift your hands, you're saying, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to continue to run to God. I'm going to plan well. I'm going to set some goals, and I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to run and give it all I got. I'm going to give it all I got. Come on, I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help you right now. He says, whatever you ask, you're going to receive. You say, you know, it's hard for me to plan. I'm not a planner. You are now. You're hooked up with a planner. I'm not organized. You are now. Because God is not a God of chaos. Say, God, help me. Help me to seek after you. Help me to plan. Help me unfold. And, and, and set a time right now in your heart to sit down and get a plan. Come on, right now, before we leave, I want you to set a time to say, I'm going to get with God. I'm going to begin to plan. I'm going to come in the vision, and I'm going to be successful in my life. I'm tired of being in the rut. I'm tired of staying the same. I'm tired of being stagnant. I'm going to begin to get a plan and run after God. Lord, I thank you for everyone that lifted their hands. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Give them wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus. Let them plan. Let them be successful in their ministry, successful in their occupation, successful in their families, God. Let them flourish and overflow in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. If you believe it, give God a hand. If you, go, if you believe he's going to do it, give him a shout. Awesome. Give your neighbor a hug. Say, I'm getting vision. I'm getting my vision back.